Youth Programming and How to Reach Unchurched Students. All this and more on Youth and Culture. Hey guys, I am super excited, really excited and pumped up about today. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, talk to and interview uh, Sydney Lester, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about her in just a minute and what we talked about. But uh, before we get into that, into this week and episode number 13, I think it's time to listen to our brand new sponsor. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor. It's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenant Eyes, and start protecting your home today. Okay, you just heard from, uh, uh, again, we've just partnered uh, with Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is a phenomenal uh, it's a phenomenal accountability type of software. I've been using uh, Covenant Eyes ever since I was a teenager. And again, it's revolved and changed and it's proved uh, year by year. So I'm really excited to be uh, partnering uh, with them and, and joining with them uh, with accountability software. So again, again, originally it was supposed to be my wife recording this but it's the first week first couple weeks of school she's busy she's nuts uh so she gladly asked if i would record uh or the commercial for this week but starting next week you will hear my lovely wife's voice not mine i know you get tired of hearing my voice uh, constantly on this podcast uh but clint uh i know you kind of uh we kind of were talking about last uh, last week of bivocational ministry, and we talked about. And of course, you uh, you both been listening to the interview with Sydney. How did you think about uh, the interview? Well, uh, listening to it, it it really opened my eyes about certain things. Uh, just um, having that person in your ministry to do that would be amazing. Uh, an amazing opportunity for a lot of people because I am not good at service programming. And uh, there are people that are, and I believe that uh, we should all find those people that make it so much easier for us. And like I talked about last week, sometimes you got to let go of the bad things that you're bad at to do the things that you're good at that much better. Um, So I think this uh, podcast is going to be really eye-opening and and convicting for some of us, uh, for sure. 
Absolutely. And again, the, I had a great time talking to, to Sydney and she even was talking about different things, aspects that I have never, I kind of thought up, but never, never really contemplated when it comes to programming and programming to reach, uh, unchurched, uh, students. Um, so definitely I was super excited to talk to her and to get to learn from her. So stay tuned for this week's episode. Well, today I have a great opportunity to be talking to uh, Sydney Lester. Um, I'm not going to introduce her. I'm going to let her do that, but I'm very excited to have our opportunity to talk to her and talk to her about programming, uh, how to to build programming within a student ministry. Uh, So Sydney, how how about you kind of introduce yourself, your journey in ministry and where you are today? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Sydney Lester. I am at a church called Connexus Church up in Canada. So we're about an hour north of Toronto. Uh, So Carrie Newhoff is our founding and teaching pastor, if you're familiar with his podcast uh, and his website and all of that. I am the director of student programming here at Connexus. So I've been here for almost four years, but I joke that I've been unofficially on staff for the last uh, like eight years since I did an internship after high school. Um, That's kind of what led me here is I did an internship, absolutely fell in love with ministry. uh, But at that point, there was no job for me. So I went to university, did my undergrad. And then um, in my last year of undergrad, I started working here part time and then got a full time gig and have been here ever since. So it's been a fun journey. And um, I love what I get to do. And I'm excited to chat today to hopefully help some youth leaders around, you know, the country to, to be better, to be better leaders. Okay, so describe what you do as a, as a student programming director. Yeah, so people always ask me this because my title is kind of unfamiliar, I guess. Um, and so as the director of student programming, that means that I oversee everything that happens on Sunday mornings for our middle schoolers and Sunday nights for high schoolers. So I have really um, found a passion for uh, programming and administration and and all of that kind of stuff. I'm definitely not the preacher type. Uh, you won't find me up on the stage. That's not what I'm comfortable with, but I love creating irresistible experiences for students to come and encounter Jesus. And really in our context, the people we're trying to reach is unchurched students. Um, so yeah, so I do all of the games creation, the content creation, so figuring out which series we're going to do when, um, and then any events that we do, um, I'm in charge of those as well. So a lot of it is just all the programming that happens for students is um, under my umbrella. Okay. um, I know we kind of did, I didn't, we're planning on this question, but I kind of maybe think about uh, what what does a typical Sunday uh, look like in your, in your context for youth ministry? Yeah, so I think ours is a little bit different, I would say, than most church contexts that I've seen. So our middle school environment runs on Sunday mornings. We have a 9 and a 10.30 service. So middle school meets then. Uh, basically, they have 
10 minutes usually before the service starts for hang time. We have video games out, uh, board games, that kind of stuff. It's really um, time that we have specifically created just for community. So students catching up with their friends, catching up with their leaders, because we know that, you know, the relationships you form in, in youth group are what keep you coming back. And so we create that intentional community time off the top and then we go into our large group po uh, part of the morning and so that's where we do our games uh, usually they're small group focused games um, just because we want to create experiences between students um, so we'll play ridiculous games like I remember one time we played a game where you shot um, cereal out of your nose to see how far it could go and like that is the most disgusting game ever but kids still talk about how much fun they had playing that game with their small groups um, so we'll do a couple of games and then we move into our teaching portion of the morning and that is um, I would say almost 100% video communication for us so we use a mixture of Orange Curriculum, Life Church. Sometimes we'll film our own stuff, but everything is on video just because we like to keep it consistent between, we have three locations, and so to keep it consistent between the three locations um, and to you know make it easier because scheduling people is very difficult. So um, yeah, so we do primarily video communication and then they go into their small groups. And so our middle school program is just in, it's just an hour. It's the length of the adult service. So that kind of is what takes up our time in the morning. And then Inside Out, which is our high school program, meets on Sunday nights from seven to nine o'clock. They have a very similar structure. The only difference is that they have about 40 minutes, I would say, of community time at the beginning of the night. Um, where we'll have fun activities happening, games and stuff like that, but it's very chill. It's just a time where small group leaders can check in with their students. Students can check in with each other, hang out, um, because really we want to cultivate organic relationships. And so you only do that by giving them time to, to chat when they don't have to be doing anything else. So that's kind of what our uh, programming looks like on Sundays. Uh, you just when we were talking about video based uh, lessons kind of made me sit there and think of something that's a common question I've gotten in the past from other youth leaders is uh, do you see uh, having a video based lessons do you see that as being effective uh, just as effective as it would if you had a, like a live person actually speaking. Yeah, I would say um, it's it's more effective for us, but I think the way that we structure it or the way that we think about it is a little bit different. So, I mean, for us, we've done video communication. Our other two locations for adults is all video communication. So that's not foreign to us. Um, so what we really focus on is like, hey, these videos are great, but really what matters is how you lead your small group. And so we put a lot of weight onto small group leaders to make that time, um, you know, fruitful. And so for us, we're like, kind of no matter what goes on the screen, you would hope it's great content, but if it doesn't super connect, we hope that the small group leader can run with it and make the questions connect with students. Um, so for us, I think it's been incredibly effective. Students often ask for live communication, so we'll sometimes do that um, for them, but really I have not noticed a difference when we have a live communicator versus a video communicator. Sometimes I think they pay attention more when it's a video because um, they're just used to, they're just used to video. And, um, yeah, so for us, it's, it's effective. It, it makes it really easy to program across three locations, 
um, you know, five different environments happening at the same time. And so, yeah, for us, I always say like, it's a great tool. Um, if you're not the communicator type, it's a great tool to utilize. It just means that you have to really have a lot of buy-in from your small group leaders and make sure they know that it's their job to make the video great, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. One thing that um, even when I do uh, training for small group leaders uh, here where I'm located at, one thing I always let them know and try to get them to realize is that me speaking is not really what's going to impact the the kid, the teens. It's not me speaking. Because I I, think I've I've said many, many times, I said a couple of times, even on this podcast, is I've... One thing I've asked them is raise your hand if you can remember a lesson from your student pastor and can quote it, the points, uh, where he was going, word for word, uh, name one, one lesson. And none of them can raise their hand. And then, yeah. I, and then I ask him, okay, now raise your hand if you can remember a time where uh, – you're connecting with your small group leader, Sunday school, whatever it was back when you were younger, a teenager, uh, them investing in you, spending time with you. And the majority of the room was raising their hands. Yeah. Uh, so small group, small group leader, small group time uh, to me is way more effective than uh, a lesson. Not again, it's important. Uh, it's still important. I still think you should, you should invest in it, but understand at the same time that majority of your time needs to be cultivating small group leaders. Yeah, um, 100%. So I, I totally agree with that. And even the church I was at, I served at in Virginia, uh, was the same, same exact way. We actually had, we have over 200 kids. We split wow. them in three rooms and our uh, youth, the uh, student pastor uh, would speak in one room and simulcast in other rooms. Oh, and, wow. and for the for the kids, the kids didn't seem to phase them. But it was it was mostly uh, small group leaders, parents that was kind of trying to get them to buy into it, and understand uh, that you can't you can't have one person speaking in multiple rooms. It's hard to schedule, like you're saying. Um, so so I totally agree. What you're doing, I totally agree. Uh, it's it that if you could go that route, uh, especially when you're in a larger context, a larger church, uh, I do think that that's a smart move if you're able to do that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what are some uh, programming strategies that you found success in? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like over the last four years that I've been here, we've tried probably everything as far as programming goes and, and strategies. And so I think one of the biggest realizations I've made over the last year and a half or so is that um, students really just want to feel connected, feel like they are missed when they're not there. And, um, you know, you can program with the best lights and the best bands and, you know, you can have the whole nine, make it look like a concert make it this incredible experience. But at the end of the day, students really want to know that they're cared for and that they're missed. And so our programming is really designed to just cultivate organic relationships. And so we've really scaled back on, you know, we still want to make experiences awesome and meaningful and fun and, you know, Instagrammable, if you will. But um, we've kind of 
we've kind of peeled back the layers and said, okay, what do we really want to focus on? And that is creating relationships with small group leaders and their students and students with each other. And so we, you know, our programming is all designed with the small group in mind. So every game that we play, um, every series that we do has the small group in mind. And so if, you know, I read a series or I listen to a message or whatever, and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if that's going to connect well in the small groups, then we just, we won't run it. If we run a game, we're like, Ooh, I don't know. Um, if that will create a funny experience for small groups to take part in together, or if, you know, it might drive small groups apart, uh, we won't do it. We keep everything with the small group leader and the small group kids in mind. Um, so yeah, so that's, I think that's the biggest strategy that I've learned. And so when you have that in mind, it just makes, it just allows you to make different decisions because it's like, okay, we could spend, you know, a ton of money on, having the best lights and the best band for a retreat. And that, that is important, but then just as important is like, okay, how are we, how are we building this small group leader up to be respected by their students and to have fun together? Um, and so we'll put, we'll put more money and more time into that relationship than we will into lighting or music. Yeah, one thing you mentioned, mentioned earlier, and I kind of just want to hit hit on briefly is, uh, if, if I heard you correctly, you said you're pretty much your whole entire ministry, which should be every student ministry, uh, but your your whole entire student ministry is really to reach the unchurch, uh, yeah. the student the students unchurch. How, how does how does that strategy uh, match that philosophy of making sure that you're constantly reaching the unchurch student? Yeah, so I think. I think the reason, so we've seen incredible growth um, in our whole church and student ministry in specific as well, like 20% growth in the last year, I would say. And I say at one of our campuses, it is 85% unchurched students. Like I remember a couple of weeks before we broke before the, the summer, because we take a couple of weeks off in the summer, a couple of weeks before that, I walked into one of our small group rooms and I found kids vaping, which is not great, but I was like, okay, at least we're reaching the demographic that we want to reach. It was very like, it was kind of a bittersweet moment because I was like, okay, you can't vape in the church, but I'm really glad that you're here. Um, and I think that, you know, that strategy of trying to just create these relationships works really well for unchurched students actually, because, you know, they can go to concerts and get all the best lights and the best, you know, the best experience. But oftentimes what they don't have is adults and other students who genuinely care about them. And, and so I think the reason that so many of our unchurched students keep coming back is because, you know, we have small group leaders who, who don't want anything from them. They just want to be there for them. And they don't get that anywhere else, especially up here. Um, we have tons of students that come where their parents are just so disconnected. They don't bring them to church. Um, they, they don't even care. And so to have somebody who just genuinely cares about their spiritual development and how they're doing just as a person, uh, it really drives them to come back and to be like, okay, maybe I don't understand this whole Jesus part, but I understand that I'm cared for here and that people just want what's best for me. And so I think that's, you know, that's the biggest reason that our strategy is working right now. Um, because yeah, like I said, they're just not getting that anywhere else. And that's really what they're looking for is a community of people that just care about them. Absolutely. I think that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, our contacts down here, of course, I'm in the South. Uh, 
Yep. Uh, sometimes I think I'm in the Bible belt uh, of the United States. It's anyway, so it's, so it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, I was saying a context, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I got friends that uh, live around Ontario, Canada, but I don't know exactly what the context is, but a context here uh, where I'm at locally, it in our region, it's uh, gonna. I, I live in the highest poverty rate uh, in the state of North Carolina. There's a lot of drugs, a lot of crime. Um, so I have a lot of. I have a lot of kids, even in my ministry, that are completely broken, broken families. A lot of them don't even have dads. Some of them have never met their dad before. Um, but uh, so all that is kind of kind of in our context. But at the same time, it's it's hard to. I would say let kids understand that they're unchurched because if you go to a random person in my community and you ask, uh, are you a Christian? Uh, 90 to 95% of the time, they're going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, it's just the context where I'm at. Uh, that's the reason why I don't even use that language uh, when I'm talking to a teenager or even an even adult for that matter. Um, I say, are, are you are you a Christ follower? Yeah. And when you ask that question, it's kind of say, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? Um, so yeah, this, the strategies here is, is a little bit different in that context, but it's, it's the same, uh, what you're saying is the same across the board, no matter where you're at for is building relationships, uh, cause the relationship factor is what's the most important and ultimately, uh, lead students to Christ. So I, yeah. I 100% agree with that. Uh, so what do you think is a, co- what do you think is a common myth about youth ministry or specifically if you want to go in specifically in youth programming? Yeah, so I kind of have two answers to this. I think for youth ministry on the whole, um, what I've realized is, you know, the biggest myth is that kids know all the stories, um, especially for us up here. You know, we're two or three generations removed from anybody in their family going to church for students. Um, you know, I met a kid two Easter's ago, I think it was, she was in the seventh grade. So she's like 13 years old. And, um, she came at Easter. We told the Easter story and she came up to me afterwards and she goes, she goes, Sydney, like, is that a true story? Like, did Jesus actually die on the cross? And that was the first time she had ever heard that story at 13 years old. And so I think the biggest myth is just assuming that, that kids know all the stories and, and what they're supposed to be doing. And so, what we try to do is ex- over explain everything because the church kids, you know, they're going to be like, Oh, I've heard this a thousand times, but for the kid that hasn't, it's going to be meaningful that we explain everything that we do. So I think that's the biggest myth is, you know, you got to assume that unchurched students are in the room and that they, they don't know anything about what you're talking about. Um, so it's always best to over explain and to be like, hey, if you don't understand this concept, we did a baptism, big baptism Sunday in May. And so every single week we explained what baptism was and left it open at the end saying, hey, if you're still unsure about why we do baptism, what it means, please come talk to me or come talk to a small group leader. Um, because lots of kids just don't know what even what baptism is or why you do it. And so we... Um, we always operate under the assumption that unchurched students are in the room, but the more church leaders that I talk to um, around the United States, I think, I think you're more moving towards that type of um, that type of kid being in your ministry. But I think a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people speak and I'm like, Ooh, if there was an unchurched kid in the room, they would have no idea what you're talking about or where they even find that in the Bible. So I think that's a big, a big myth is that, you know, that they, they know all the stories and they know, 
what they're supposed to do as a Christ follower. So that would be one. And then I kind of touched on this earlier as far as like programming myths. Um, I think everybody thinks, you know, if we have the best lights, if we have the best worship, if we have the best experiences, students will will come and encounter Jesus. Um, but but in my experience, that's just not the case. You really need great small group leaders in place um, because the lights and the flash will wear off after a couple of times of coming. If they don't have a fantastic small group leader investing in them and genuinely caring about them, they won't want to come back because it's just like, ah, well, like, yeah, it's, it's fun to come here, but I'm not getting anything out of this, which sounds selfish, but that's kind of where teenagers are at is like, they, they want to come where they're getting something out of. And so I think that's a big one is that people, um, you know, move towards developing really, really incredible small group leaders who have a start, who have a heart for reaching students and everything else, you know, it does matter, but it doesn't, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I tell, I totally agree with what, when you're, when it comes to the context of, uh, where you're at and where America's going, uh, slowly, surely, I personally, at least I don't, where I'm located at, in my context, my region, in my community, uh, I ha- we have a lot of unchurched kids who don't know anything about Scripture. Yeah. Uh, anything, and, and that's where one thing when I even talk, when I'm speaking to my small group leaders, even teaching my teens uh, when reaching their, their, their schools to not use uh, well, I like to turn, coin the phrase Christianese. Yep. Uh, don't use church language. Um, okay. What's, you don't use the word sanctification. Yeah. <laughs> describe, describe what that means. Don't use the word saved. Yeah. You got to describe what that means. Because uh, if you say those words to kids who are in church, just going to look at you and just say, huh? Uh-huh. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And so I think, I think it's, it's the same thing even for the, across, even the South. Um because people make this assumption that the uh, the South of the United States, the Southeast, Southwest, uh, is mostly church. Okay, I would say there might be a lot of people going to a church walls, yep. or there may be a church on every corner. But the average person that's going there doesn't understand yep. uh, what you're saying, or and so. It's a, it's a big assumption uh, in the South, and so I totally agree. You got you got to explain. You can't assume. Uh, you have to simplify it mm-hmm. uh, for kids to understand and ex- and expect that you and with the hope that you're that you have unchurched kids in the room. Yep. So, uh, last question is a question that um, I always like to leave and ask everyone that comes on this podcast: is what is one piece of advice? that you would give youth leaders in their ministries? Yeah, that's, this is a really great question. I really had to think about this because I was like, man, there's so much that you know you could say to youth leaders. I think the biggest one that I have had to learn, I mean, I'm still young, but I'm, I'm constantly learning and has been very apparent for me is um, just constantly reminding yourself that you're, it's a long game when you're in student ministry. It's, you know, it's really hard unless a kid gets baptized um, 
to really see the growth that's happening because a lot of times, you know, a middle schooler or a high schooler is not going to come up to you and say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for your investment in my life over the last four years. This is what happens. This is what happens. They just don't think about it. They just see, you know, you showing up every week, but they forget to, to thank you for it. And so reminding yourself that like, hey, you, this is this is a long game. You might not see the fruit of what you're putting in now, but don't underestimate the power that you have as a small group leader or as a youth leader or as a staff member, because God is going to use you. And, you know, I've seen the stories of kids later that I had in my youth ministry, you know, four years ago, and just now they're realizing the impact that their small group leader made on their life. But when they were in high school, man, I was like, oh, I don't see this being helpful. I don't see, you know, how this is worth it for your leader to continue showing up when, you know, it's a grade nine group of boys that just want to talk about girls. But but seeing it now four years, four or five years later, that, oh no, that that did make a huge difference. And though you can't see it right now, um, it definitely is worth it. Don't, you know, don't give up hope. Um, keep doing what you do because God's going to do incredible things because of the investment that you're making. You know, I'm, I am so glad uh, that you made that point because uh, even last week I got uh, a text from, it was actually a Facebook message from a student that I was in my small group in my early 20s, uh, early to mid 20s when I was serving at a church in Virginia. Uh, this is a kid who graduated uh, out. Uh, one of the one of the kids in my group where I kind of felt like I failed them. I poured so much into him. Still doing the same old, same old. I thought he was going to graduate out, ruin his life. Um, they, and I, so I get, ran a message from him last week and just thanking me for pouring into him and investing in him. He was sharing how he uh, gave his life to Christ and and he contributed that decision based off of me and several other people investing in him 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so it was awesome to see, but like, like you said, sometimes you're not going to see the fruit until years later or possibly never see it, but, but you still impacted uh, them in, in a way that you'll never imagine. Yep, for sure. That's such an awesome story. So Sydney, uh, what uh, for those who uh, have questions about programming, student programming, uh, and, and want to get connected with you, what's the best way to get connected with you? Yeah, so you can connect with me on social media. Uh, right now, my handles are Sydney Lester, but in about a week and a half, I will be Sydney Jackson. So you can find me on there, and then you can send me an email. I'm pretty good um, about replying to emails, so that's just Sydney Lester at ConnexusChurch.com. Absolutely. Well, Sydney, I, I do appreciate you for coming on the podcast and helping us out a little bit about programming, student programming, and also at the same time, uh, how to invest and reach unchurched kids. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, there's several things that I walked away from uh, the conversation with, with Sydney. Uh, one thing that um, I definitely walked away from is, is, is you don't have to focus on lights and the show. Uh, you don't have to focus on that. That's not what's going to ultimately reach unchurched kids. As you heard Sydney talking about, that that's not their focus. The focus is on small group ministry, on training leaders, and building the relationship portion between leaders and students. And because of that, 
focusing on that, they've been able to be successful in reaching on church students. Uh, so I was really thankful for her to coming out and sharing a little bit about what she does and, and about how her per, the programming aspect and what they do is effective in reaching unchurched kids. I want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. And don't forget to tune in to next week's episode.